how many games and how many days do we have upcoming to talk about on the Owls Americast? Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with American Accent. I can't make my voice go any higher. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and uh, I'm on vacation, sort of. I don't really get vacation. I'm a freelance writer, but I have finished all my baseball stuff for the next couple months and may have accidentally drank an entire bottle of Pinot Noir before recording this show. And I'm currently drinking uh, another Caucasian Gary, which is the Aviary's Riff on a White Russian. The Aviary is a Chicago bar in the Alinea restaurant group, uh, fronted by Greta Chatz, one of the great postmodern modernist, whatever you want to call it, American chefs. And making this drink was a lot of work, let me tell you, to make a white Russian riff. It is rum and galliano, which is an Italian uh, digestif, amaro type liqueur. Again, not traditional ingredients in a white Russian. It does have double brewed coffee. It has chicory syrup. I had to order chicory from Amazon because my local fancy grocer. I don't have a pound of chicory. I don't know when I had 10 grams of chicory went into making the syrup for like four drinks. Uh, and then I have a giant ice cube made out of milk. And it was a lot of work. I did not sous vide the chicory syrup, which the recipe called for. I just made it in the saucepan. Uh, the annoying thing yeah. about all of this is it's really fucking good. So why, I can't even... why did you do this on a Wednesday night? Is this because you're on vacation? No, I, I made all the ingredients over the weekend. Wow. Okay. I mean, the, it's milk ice. It just stays in the freezer. And the syrup keeps, and the syrup in the double brewed coffee keeps for like a week in the fridge. So. I wish I'd had some kind of split screen going on when I was trying to make my uh, whiskey sour earlier because the uh, the preparation and the accuracy and the ingredients that went into your cocktail, it was the exact opposite that went into my whiskey sour earlier. I mean, once I make it, it's just a bunch of quick pours and a giant milk ice cube that is not going to melt that I have to somehow get down my sink after we're done with this. <laughs> Jeff, I tried, to put, I tried to put egg whites in my whiskey sour and it turned into a pina colada lookalike and that was not a good thing. <laughs> well, did you? Okay, Patty. In New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Did you dry shake? Yes. The egg? Okay, you, did, you did the three-part shake? I did the dry shake, uh, uh-huh. and then when I looked at the state shake, I think something might be wrong with my egg. <laughs> well, I can't speak to that. So. Sinewy. You got a bit sinewy and a bit kind of uh, milky. Yeah. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, guys. I had mm. to throw it out and get a Manhattan. What are you I like, I like the You're drinking um, in Manhattan. Is that what yeah. the answer is? I like right. I would have loved the kind of camera on your kitchen and my kitchen mm-hmm. as we attempted our cocktails for tonight's podcast because mine was a complete shit show and yours was some kind of like fucking It look it's uh, mostly done now, but it looked very nice, it had a little frothy Jeff uh, is showing an uh, ice cube made out of milk with some kind of is. some kind of fucking I mean like, it looks like ice. a white Russian. Yeah, it's, it looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um so maybe post a picture on Instagram. Uh, well, it's gonna be done soon. <laughs> Also the line on Cape Cod. So anyway, Glenn Owl, Justin DeSorger, Justin, when are you drinking? Uh, well, in the time that you guys broke down uh, how specific <laughs> your drink was, I uh, managed to drink some Mezcal that my uh, wonderful close friend Lindsay got me for my birthday a couple weeks ago. Uh, she put way too much effort into searching and researching Mezcal. I just need something simple. So... I've been sipping that with some ginger ale and also drinking a uh, Jack's Abbey house lager. Jack's Abbey is a Massachusetts beer uh, brewery that uh, do a pretty nice job. They got a variety of different stuff. Um, Their smoking dagger uh, dark ale is quite good, but I'm doing their uh, house lager tonight because that was also a leftover birthday gift for some uh, guys I play hockey with. So cheers to all that. Smoking Dagger is technically a, a whatever, the Reich beer or whatever, the smoked uh, German style, I believe. Yeah, I don't know what, it's like a dark ale. Yeah, I don't uh, think they can actually call it that because of like EU. Yeah, listen, I'm, whatever. I'm not, yeah, yeah. not going to fucking argue about that. <laughs> Patty, you're the, uh, you're the EU expert, I feel like here, probably. <laughs> Patty is Patty not, is abstaining from this conversation. Not anymore. After Brexit, I'm not allowed to comment on any EU matters. Can you get a sandwich in back into Britain? Is the real question. 
Uh, well, we're going to try to make a ham sandwich out of the last two Wednesday games on this podcast. We will talk about the Everton FA Cup game and the Coventry Slogfest, literally, from this afternoon. We'll cover the Wednesday news and some uh, Owls America's news that we were... I mean, it was news to us as well at the time when it was announced, but we'll talk about the... What are we calling it, Patty? It's not a steering committee. It's not accurate, I don't feel like. Supporter Engagement Forum. There you go. Supporter Engagement Forum. We'll also preview the upcoming Preston and... I, how do you say it? I say Burnmouth. I got I got shit on the Supporter Engagement Forum call we had before this. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah. Bournemouth. No, you don't have to do it as uh, elongate. <laughs> you have to do it in a Yorkshire accent. Born uh, Bournemouth. But we will start with, I guess, the Everton FA Cup game. Uh, and my talking point is, I don't know what I expected when we started two teenage fullbacks with about five first-team games between them to mark James Rodriguez and Richarlison. And actually... They didn't do that badly, to be fair. Uh, they were overmatched. They put in a good effort. The first goal we came uh, came because somehow Joey Pelopesi ended up marking uh, James Rodriguez in the box, which went about how you would expect. Um, I don't know. I don't enjoy these games anymore, I feel like. It's talking point. You don't enjoy these games anymore. I don't enjoy these games anymore. Well, like, they get should... just any games. <laughs> I mean, so the idea is like going to a, a big Premier League ground and like it's been 20 years now. We've gotten the one Arsenal League Cup game, basically. And all the rest have kind of been shit. Because Wednesday have just been generally outclassed. Look, Everton played their full first-team squad. Wednesday did not play their full first-team squad. Um, they can't mark corners against, like, fucking Cardiff. They're not going to mark corners coming in from James Rodriguez, so I don't know what you expected with the two second-half goals. They were frisky, but it's just like... What is the point of all of this? It's not fun. I mean, none of it's fun, but you would like for the FA Cup to at least, like, feel like they're putting in a... It didn't feel like a cup game. It felt like a training exercise for Everton. I'm going to kind of disagree with you because um, maybe I tried to make it more of an occasion. I actually went into the city on uh, Sunday um, for the first time in two months, maybe three months almost. Um... I had to go in for a wedding, try on a suit that I was uh, buying. Um, and then I went to see my friend Tom, who's part of the New York Owls. And uh, we watched it at his place. And I felt like I was excited about it a little bit. And uh, that's before I, I didn't actually see the team before I got there because I got there at 3 p.m. Um, as it kicked off. Um, and he, he kind of explained to me who was playing. Um, so that took a little excitement away. But what I was enthused by um, was the first half an hour. I thought that uh, we played positively. Uh, I think there was definitely scares for half an hour. Um, I thought we looked like we were trying to win it um, within our remits of skills and, and quality. Um, I thought that uh, overall um, we defended relatively well. Two set pieces in undid us. Two clever set pieces, I would say. Uh, the movement in that box from Everton were Premier League level movement and they kind of outfoxes on that which left a lot of our defended defending kind of static um which we used to do like say against cardiff and mind against everton um but yeah I, I wasn't upset by it uh i wasn't kind of um necessarily disappointed by it if anything after the results of the previous few games where we'd won a few and drawn one uh I thought it was consistent performance-wise with those games. And at, at that point, let's just preface this with saying we're calling this after the Coventry game. <laughs> at that point, I was still relatively hopeful for the season. 
Well, I mean, I think we we showed up, right? We we showed up against and and wherever you know whatever wherever Everton ends up at the end of the season, this is a challenger for Europe, right? This is a Champions League slash Europa League slash shit. We just missed it team who played a virtually full strength side and we were putting out a real mixed bag. We had some kids who we wanted to blood or been seen in a while. In addition to, you know, some of our fairly useless veterans. Um, and we hung in there and, and Patty, you're right. We, we played on their front foot and, you know, a kid like Erdogan's day who, First few minutes that there were some problems, you know, he lost Richarlison early. Um, there was a, a cross on the back door that he missed him. Um, they lost him. But after that, like, they really hung in there and they worked hard. I, I'm, I'm with you, Patty, in the general sense that I came out of that game feeling overall fairly confident about our direction going forward in that. You know, we played against a, you know, I I mean, you guys could double check this. I bet Everton has one of the 20 highest budgets in the world, right? And, and we went out there and kind of matched them bit for bit. I've got some Everton friends who said, wow, Wednesday's really, you know, they're standing up and, and going blow for blow. And it was a couple of poorly marked set pieces. And, you know, uh, we're going to talk about this again with Coventry. Uh, uh, Berner and uh, Pelopesti were, you know, they've had a tough couple games. And that was one of them. They both got uh, both got beat. And, you know, that happens. I'm not going to necessarily blame Pelopesti for that. Was it third goal or second goal? I can't remember. Um, because I think it was Reach's man. Reach lost his man and Pelopesti just ended up nearest to the I think it was um oh fuck it's god yeah either, either way it was reach that lost his man I think that was like, Dominic Calvert Lewin no, Richarlison and then Yuri Mina I think for the three yeah Burner uh, lost his man and uh, I mean nobody was Berner, marking Berner, anyone Berner, was the main Burner <laughs> drifted right off him which left Calapassi having to cover that space which he couldn't do mm. and that was what it was yeah Burner Burner's had a tough run of form recently, um, you know. I mean, but again, I, I believe the talking point was, like, what did you expect? You know, we are playing a very talented, you know, we're playing one of the, I don't know, 25 best teams in the world. They might go to Europe, and they'll probably go to Europe. Right. They might go to fancy Europe next year, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great, I mean, they have fucking, they have Carlos, and that was my talking point. Yeah. Look at the talent gap. You know, we have a reserve team manager, interim manager against Carlo Ancelotti. James Rodriguez in the middle of the pitch. Like, it just, the the talent gap, the the quality, the class, it was, it took a while for it to become. How on that Everton signing? Good God. And if we have one, it's you know Macedonia or Gibraltar. <laughs> they start Liam Palmer. Liam Palmer has gotten you know. several Scotland. Uh... Oh, Collie Patterson has some uh, oh, yeah. Scotland caps. No, I mean it just you know what we hung in there. We worked hard. I thought Tomo had him set up fine. Like it went well. It just as as the ninety minutes went on, the gap in class was apparent. And that's what you expect in a game like this, you know. I want to call out. Of, go ahead. Sorry. I want to call out a couple of people that I thought really uh, impressed me because this was like almost a year since the last saw um, a Day play. Uh, after you, I had uh, Thomas who did the preview said that he was really impressed with Day, especially in the first half. Said he was everywhere. No, I think he's got that attitude that we want in the team, right? He's, he's got that kind of he attacks the ball. And sometimes the man mm. too, which is great to see in the defender. He, he yeah. really goes for Gonna it. Going to be really useful in League One next year. Don't <laughs> oh, you um, start with that? Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, that one was the first mention of League One today. Um, no, I, I really was impressed by Rigu. I think Brennan did a good job too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
Galvin was a little out of position a few times. I think he maybe a little tired, a little bit gassed um, after like an hour or so. But overall, the youngsters didn't wasn't the ones that let us down. It was the the veterans like you alluded to, Justin. Um, I thought Andre Green had a good like forty five minutes before he got pulled off. I assume for being kind of like not fit enough. Um, and yeah, I just thought we moved the ball really well. I thought we, I thought we were positive in the ball, and we just kind of like nowhere near quality enough to get a result against Everton. Um, yeah, thank you, Patty, for bringing that up. Because I'm not going to lie, kind of forgotten a little bit of the Everton game, and I have my notes in front of me. Um, but I thought Brennan was man of the match for us. I thought he was outstanding um, in his job against Calvert Lewin, who. You know, got free a few times. I thought Brennan was outstanding. And Ertigize after the first, you know, couple bumps early was was also very good. And and I liked seeing Galvin getting a little more room to run up and down. Like he was given he was given space to to move forward and he looked all right. But yeah, I thought Brennan was I thought Brennan was outstanding. He was my man of the match for us, which when you lose three nothing, it's tough to say. But <laughs> I've seen, Matt, back, right? I've seen Matt I, Penny I, I play today. Great. I've seen Matt so. Penny play today at left back. I would take fucking Ryan Galvin over Matt Penny any day. He was dreadful today, Matt Penny. Well, let's get to the... Uh, we're not there match. yet. <laughs> yeah, we're do, there do, now. Do, do you have any further thoughts about Everton? No, we're moving to the Coventry match. <laughs> uh, my talking point with the Coventry match is, well, I expected better than this. And, like, look, so... A few years back, when my wife and I were looking to buy a house, we found this house we really liked, uh, a town over from here, and did like the normal, like look see, and then I wanted to come back. It was back when I was working for an insurance company. Come back with one of the insurance guys, just to, like you know that knows houses, property, stuff like that. And we happened to come on a day when it was raining, like afternoon at lunch or whatever. I wasn't that far from my office. And we looked over all, everything in the house. And it, was, it was fine. And I went out in the backyard when it was raining. And he just like walked in. It was like, he just kind of like sunk in a little bit. Like it didn't look muddy, but it was just like you couldn't get traction. And he's like, yeah, you don't want to, if it's the water tables is how you don't want to buy it. Yeah, great. Uh, that's all to say, not going to be buying Coventry's pitch anytime soon. But that's not an excuse because Coventry figured out how to play on it. Uh, uh, oh, they, I was really wondering where the hell I was going. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey. Right back to the page at Coventry. Yeah. Justin, well, you just missed a fantastic run, but I'm glad you left it. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I mean, I, I made a, a quip on Twitter that I wish, <laughs> I wish I could take back for the idea that, like, imagine not even having your own ground and then having to play in this fucking ground. <laughs> that, that pitch was. That pitch was atrocious, and I, I I think that was a huge factor. Like I, Jeff, the, you you raised the the hundred percent accurate point, which is Coventry had to play on that pitch too, yeah. right? So there's, there's no excuses for us for not being able to play the kind of football that we wanted to play. And like, look, you got to get like when you're where Wednesday are and when you're where Coventry are, you got to get results. It doesn't fucking matter how ugly it is. And they they played yeah. like pressing and tried they they had the ball in Coventry's half for the most of the first half and tried to play it to feet and it just it wasn't gonna work. You could see like the passes were a little too heavy here and there. The ball the balls down the channel just skidded a little bit. And this was like many games this year. You can tell I've had an entire bottle of wine and a cocktail. Like a game that just cried out for Eddie Newhey up front, just like. In the mist and swamp, just hoofing it up there and letting him kind of go shoulder to shoulder and just try to make something happen. And Coventry's first goal, it was a bad giveaway, but they created uh, space between the midfield. by a series of poor defending. <laughs> I mean, the main issue was the two closest players to make to stick a foot in on the through ball were Matt Penny and Joey Pelopassi were both on yellow cards at the time and you could see them back off because they didn't want to get a second yellow on the counter which is what would have happened if they missed time their tackle and 
given that it's the two of them, there's a very good chance they were going to mistime their tackle there. And then Tom Lees didn't have the pace to get back on the through ball. And well, and I, Burner was Burner. Yeah. Burner stepped outside. There, there was a, a midfielder for Coventry who yeah. looked like he was going to start to step outside to the right. I, I watched this a few times. And Burner turned and ran with him when the motherfucker wasn't running. And that yeah. left so much space. I blamed Westwood a little bit, but like looking at it on replay, yes. I think he, I think he, he came out. Like I don't, I, I don't know if he stays home. I don't. I, he knew any one com- of five knew, players could have gotten the blame for that. Right. I don't think. Or I think he knew. I think he knew his covering center backs weren't going to get there, and he put in the best effort he could. It just, you know, he got a piece of it, but he didn't quite get there in time. Which, you know, when you're a keeper, you just got. And I thought he was actually quite good for the balance of the game other than that like he made a decision and didn't quite work out for him and got no help anywhere else so i i don't want to kill him for that but yeah and then Wednesday never looked like scoring so once that goal went in it was kind of like, yeah yeah here we are well the only time they looked like scoring was the wind dash shot that got deflected mm-hmm. went in the side netting that was really uh that was really about it no i mean it's just a it, it even though it took a different shape and form, it almost reminded you of some of those Pulis games of just like we like. So to me, it's happening. To me, it kind of actually felt like one of those late period Carlos games where they were able to win possession consistently, but there was just no urgency in the opponent's half. And I don't know what the answer is, Patty. You're talking ways that looked good on paper, and I think this is actually. I think you're right. You know, it was somewhere between a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 at various times. And with that personnel, I think that's a decent fit. But I just don't think it worked for the conditions they were playing in. Um, Look, you both got points around the conditions of playing in. I don't really take that into account because I don't think the conditions affect the effort you put in. Um, And I didn't see an effort today. I don't. I didn't see a team that knows they're in a relegation fight, and that is the biggest thing that makes me despondent about this team, is that there's no passion. They don't seem a bother. There's not really much of a, of a plan. Uh, even when we won the last few games, it was it was kind of I don't know, pedestrian in some respect. Uh, so my point was that I thought when this lineup was announced. That actually is a strong side. We've got so think back to the last few weeks. We've had COVID. We've had injuries. We've had, we don't know who was fit against Everton. We didn't know who was going to be fit we didn't know against, who's against Exeter. We've got Westwood back. We had Lees back. We got Palmer back. We've got um, Burner, uh, Windass. All these were coming back from spells out or either injured or things like that. And we had our our bench looked solid. Right? Yeah, our bench looks like we could back things up. Previously, we'd look at a bench and go, "There's nothing on this bench that could change the game." We've got people like um, like fucking uh, Marriott, apparently good change the game. Patterson was on the bench. Kadeem Harris on the bench. Uh, Izzy Brown. Luongo was back on the bench. These are positive things to see uh, as far as long-term kind of Sheffield Wednesday looks at. However, these are players that we we know their limits of by now. We know what they can do, and they're still underperforming. And that's what's made me so pissed off about this game because I think on paper this team Westwood we brought Westwood back he's back in the squad Lees is still there Palmer's there Hutchinson's back <laughs> Pelopetti's been there this is his 100th game this is 100 games Pelopetti's played now Bannon's still there Reach is still there we've got a few new faces around it Green Windass other than that it's the same fucking side that we had four years ago and have been failing for four years and it's the same performance we've been putting in for four years where it's half-arsed mm-hmm. against these shit teams like Coventry and it's just not going to keep us up anymore it's going to get us fucking relegated and the, there's no one on that pitch today that like they're going to fucking try uh, to try and get out of the relegation fight it's like I put on Twitter has anyone told this team they're in a relegation fight because they're not playing like that they're playing like a team that they're they're kind of like oh we're going to be okay we'll be in the playoffs probably it's kind of like kind of air of arrogance we've got a kind of air of arrogance about these players like Bannon and Reach Hutchinson to some extent uh, Palmer, Westwood, whatever the fucking vibe is around this dressing room, it is not the vibe to win a relegation fight. Ship them all out and start over. We tried I that mean, beginning of last season. I, I thought we got rid of nine players last last <laughs> beginning of summer. Yeah, we brought them all fucking back. <laughs> we keep bringing them. Westwood come back. Hutchinson come back. 
Grecian Bannon, I think, and another of our best players, but we've had problems connecting the midfield to the strike force for most of the last two or three years. And Reg- year. Reg- yeah. and Bannon are the fucking most consistent players we've had in that team. And we are still not creating chances and scoring goals. So what do we do? Just get him out. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that'll get taken care of next year when we're in League One, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> It might have to be the, the the detonation button. I might have to get pressed, and I. That's. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, but it's not pretty. I don't know what it's kind of gonna. Look, I don't fucking want to watch the public games next year if that's what it comes to, but I do wonder if that you actually need that kind of like cleansing fire at this point, <laughs> where it's just you got to start Shaw and you got to start. Fizz, you got to start Urgehide, and you got to start Galvin. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like these are these are your, and you have to bring in a thirty-nine-year-old like progressive manager. And I, the problem is, I don't. I'm not confident that'll happen, even if the team goes down. And it won't just be more slapdash, makeshift, patch over a hole here and there, bring in the League One equivalent of Gary Monk and. I guess probably like I don't even know they want to call it a very much. Well, that's Jeff. Jeff, this is when when you and I were busy injuring our backs, carrying this podcast for mm. a month. This was the constant conversation that we had. Is that debate of like where where do we go? And and I've been just hovering on this, and and that's the idea is that like I'm okay with going down to League One if it means that. Ryan Lowe comes in and we re-sign Liam Shaw and we give playing time to Fizz and maybe Izzy Brown gets a deal and, you know, we we play this, you know, progressive, future-oriented football and we understand, hey, we're going to be in League One for a year or two, uh, hopefully not longer because that's a quagmire. But, you know, I'm okay with that at this point, but... You, you raised the point, Jeff. We're not seeing that even if we go down, do we suddenly think there's going to be a concrete plan? I mean, like Wolves like, went down and they came back up with a plan. Sheffield United went down and they came back up with a plan. Uh, Coventry has had a plan. Yeah. Right? Uh, Wickham yeah. has had a plan. Like at the, at the risk of sounding like James Allen... Uh, which is always an okay thing. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring that point up. Like, I don't bit. think Wednesday are Wolves. I think Wednesday is Pompey. <laughs> oh, God. We've Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, let's not go that far. <laughs> Holy shit. No, but I mean, let's say it. Let's say it out yeah. loud. We're probably more likely Pompey than we are fucking Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. We have a moment to wallow. <laughs> take a break we come back we'll <laughs> do some not even as uplifting as this Wednesday uh, news. fuck welcome back now it's time for some wednesday news and we are going into our fourth week of managerial mayhem here on the Owls Americast. They still have a new manager, a new permanent manager. Uh, Paul Cook, who has been a odds checker favorite over the last couple of weeks, uh, said that he was offered a six-month contract and turned it down, Patty. Well, this is what uh, the Athletics reporting, right? So um, he hasn't come out and said this. So uh, the... We alluded to this yesterday, uh, last week where Paul Cook said to the press that he had been in contact with them, but he was no longer in conversations with them. Uh, we had more information. on. It's kind of like um, uh, you turn the page and more horror awaits you when, <laughs> in this story at the moment. Uh, this week we found Sheffield out Wednesday, that... Sheffield Wednesday, choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this week we found out through The Athletic that uh, he was approached with a six-month contract uh, offered to him, and he said no because he wanted to build uh, a team. And, you know, again, why would you come for six months anyway at this point? It seems very short-sighted. Um, 
So that is, I think, is the only manager news. But I think it leads nicely onto another news thing which happened about an hour before we um, start recording. And that is Eric Alonso, who was the advisor um, that Chancery um, appointed, or work, was working with for the past year, he said. Uh, this is the guy that was DMing people on Twitter saying he was a shareholder, but actually he wasn't a shareholder uh, uh, that Siri knew about, at least. But anyway, the reason why I bring Eric Alonso into this, because the understanding is it was Eric Alonso's idea to hire Paul Cook. That was the kind of connection that, uh, that people are making. Uh, and then the Athletic released their uh, news article today saying that Paul Cook was offered a six-month contract and he turned it down. And Eric Alonso's put on Twitter today that he's no longer associated with uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. So he uh, said that due to irreconcilable differences with the club, I am sad to say I will no longer be advising Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Although it was a brief period uh, that I was assisting the club, I appreciate all the messages of support from the fans and I'm disappointed I wasn't able to bring success back to such a prestigious and historic club. Paul Cook, by the way, uh, still six to one on Skybet, <laughs> on Petty Power, and four to one on Bet Victor. So here's the interesting thing about Eric Alonso: he says, he says that due to forces, forces around the club, it became untenable to continue, especially as the chances of my reputation being affected became apparent. I mean, if Eric Alonso's reputation is uh, going to be affected by us. I mean, this is a guy that was DMing people saying he was a shareholder when he's not a shareholder and that leaves um, such cryptic messages on his Twitter as uh, the fans are at the heart of all clubs and says things as cryptic as, um, let's go down this one, blah, 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 blah. if they don't let you work, why do they ask for results? This is the kind of, Eric Alonso as an advisor for Wednesday is kind of like your embarrassing auntie who's passive aggressive on Facebook that says things like, let's just unfriend people that don't respond to you in 24 hours what is with those people it's kind of like that kind of needy kind of like friend you know from college or you're an embarrassing auntie yet he's the advisor that's like saying these things on twitter uh, anyway he's no longer associated with us so from my point of view good riddance um but what i'm annoyed about is that if it was his idea to get paul cook in um and to only be offered a six month of contract that seems a crazy situation i'd like to uh hear the chairman's take on this. Patty, would you like to hear instead the new entries in the Sheffield Wednesday managerial odds this week? Only the new entries, Jeffrey. I feel like we the same names. Uh, Neil Harris at 16 to 1, who was just sacked by Cardiff. 16. 16 to 1. Uh, 18 to 1. Paco Jemez, who... Oh, he's been there for weeks. Oh, has he? We didn't yeah. bring him up before. Oh, a little too far down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too good for us. For the record, uh, Neil Thompson is still the short odds favorite everywhere, uh, and second favorite still Roy Keane. Somehow, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know why he's uh, hanging around. But Justin, I will, I will ask you this: of of the longer odds, so we're gonna go to uh, sixty six to one. 66 to 1 on Skybet. Would you prefer? First of all, I just want to point out that Rafa Benitez is only 50 to 1. So these are longer odds than Rafa Benitez. (laughs) Is it Pep? We don't don't have Pep. But can I interest you in one of uh, Gary Megson? He's longer odds than Rafa Benitez. Alan Irvine. No. Tim Sherwood. No. Not Alan? No. No. Alan Pardue? Can I interest you in a lightly used (laughs) Alan Pardue? Lightly used. No. 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 Listen. I, I was very on board since I joined this pod and talking about, you know, trying to support Gary Monk because there was some things in his history I thought made him solid. Once he was gone, I thought the correct move was to burn it to the ground and bring in a young and you know progressive manager. And that didn't happen. And given where we are and the situation that we're in, once again, for four straight weeks, I will continue advocating for Paul Cook. And I got to tell you something, if this football club 
and its management decided that, yeah, we'll offer Paul Cook a short-term deal until the end of the year so that we can look for somebody better than him. Uh, and that was your offer to Paul Cook. Well, fuck you. Because if I'm Paul Cook, I say, why would I do that? Why on earth would I join an organization that has no faith in my ability to run something long-term? And I still think Paul Cook's the right guy for this job. And the fact that we're not just turning to him and saying, okay, Paul, here's a year and a half, you know, whatever it is, um, it blows me away. It's, it's a shit like, show. I would like to point out that uh, Carlos Carvajal, who you may know. Uh, Heard of him. Is it shorter odds than any of those? Despite having Braga in a European place right now and in the round of thirty two of the Europa League against Roma, I believe, coming up. So feels whoa, like that whoa, whoa, whoa. feels like that's Why a move he'd want to make. That when you can play League One football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Uh, yeah, it just it's it's listen, I actually, you know, my notes uh started today, uh look at the Coventry game. With, I really liked the way that uh, Thompson set the team up in that Coventry is a team that traditionally plays with a lone forward up top with two uh, number 10s behind. So, you know, 3-4-3, uh, three, three, or if you want to get fancy about it, you say a 3-4-2-1, whatever it is, right? Um, so to have two defensive midfielders made a lot of sense. And, and I also liked that when we were losing at the 65th minute mark, uh, Thompson threw the fucking kitchen sink at it. He threw offensive player after offensive player against it. It's part of the reason we gave up the second goal is that we had nobody on the pitch who could actually defend. Um, but at that point, we needed the three points, right, or to get one point out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm still okay with the idea of a short, shorter term Thompson um, reign, but man, we got to make a decision one way or the other ASAP. The thing is, tactically, right? Tactically, I think you're right. I think Thompson's got a lot to him. And I, I do, like I said, on paper today, I, I really like that formation. I, I, think it, I, yeah. I think it was a 4 2 3 1, I think it was. Um, I just don't think that. The players are being motivated by Thompson. Um, and we had that kind of little nice little bump as a revenge against Pulis uh, for four games. But we get. I think what we saw today is likely what we're going to see for the rest of the season unless we hire someone that can come in and get a tune out of these players. Uh, somehow, it's motivator. I don't understand how they can do this, but it just feels without that, they're going to default back to this kind of fucking laissez-faire. Well, who, yeah, but who, Patty, you're not wrong at all. You're, you're actually right about this, but it, at the same time, who's you're all right, like, I don't want to pick on him because he's one of my favorite players, right? And I don't think he had a great game today, even though I've defended him since he first joined the club. But like, if you're Adam Reach, and you can't fucking motivate yourself for a game. I don't care what the weather is. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who's on your team. I don't care who your manager is. And you're making... I mean, what's the guy that got in reach make? 15, 25, 20. 25,000 pounds a week? 40,000 pounds or whatever the fuck it is. 15, 20. You're, you're, right. You're, you're a professional. It's your job. Like, listen. Guys, you may or may not be aware. We are at month 11 of a global fucking pandemic. <laughs> I am depressed. I am anxious. I am stressed. I am losing my fucking mind, as all of us are. At the same time, and you have to I podcast up, about Sheffield Wednesday every week. <laughs> oh, out. what a joy. What a relief. What a fucking <laughs> relief, right, Jeff? Jesus. Oh, my God. But you get up and you go to work. Or you get up and you take care of your family or you get up and you take care of your fucking business. And that's what you do. And the idea that it is up to Neil Thompson to convince Adam Reach or Barry Bannon or Kieran Westwood or whoever the fuck to 
Oh, I'm not feeling it today, Gaffer. Like, no, fuck you. <laughs> Figure your shit out. Like, what we what we saw on the pitch today, I actually I didn't think it was as much effort as it was a terrible, terrible pitch. Um, I think that affected people. But you know, the the fact that for some reason bringing in a man manager is going to make things better that that's not on management that's on the players if that's the case but what do you do how could you change the players motivation how do you change their mentality they're clearly reach and bannon are clearly skilled players um and they've got enough in i i do not think that we don't have enough talent to stay up correct um, correct but i just don't understand why they cannot work it out together. Um, it just feels like they don't care every time. No, not every time. I, I, I think that we're all pretty shook from today. Today was ugly. T- today was like when we came out of the third game in that Luton, Rotherham, Wickham stretch, or maybe it was Luton, Wickham, Rotherham stretch. Where we're just, there's no, like, you can't remember good football being played. So even though we just talked about the fact that we spent 30, 35 minutes, like, hanging in there with Everton, who is a legit European candidate, since that game kind of drifted a little bit, it's been garbage. And we're all sitting here thinking, League One, League One, League One, like... Yeah. Well, I'll give you the reason why I'm thinking League One. League One. We are, um, what, five, six days from the uh, end of the transfer window? Five we've days. Got, we've got no manager and we're six points adrift in the relegation zone. Um, and we, we've got a bunch of players that don't seem up for a relegation fight. That's my, yeah. that's my problem at the moment. Yeah. So I, I You're would not say... wrong. Why don't you just play the kids? Because Yoss tried that and they weren't good enough. Well, it's different kids. I mean, it's some of some of the same kids. Oh, but... yeah, Pat, it's two years later than that. But, like, I don't... I look back at, like, the Exeter game. And again, it's a League Two side, so I don't know how much you read into the actual performance, per se, but there's a lot of games coming up. And you're going to need legs, if nothing else, given the schedule. And I don't know if Liam Shaw is like the first name on the team sheet for a promotion winning side. But I do know he's going to run a lot. Wherever you put him, he is going to put a foot in. He's going to try to drive forward. And they just don't have that right now. Whether it's Shaw or Hunt or or Hide or Galvin or Brennan or I don't know who else I can name at this point, but Oh, Fizz or Fizz, you know, sure. Is, like, Izzy Brown, Brown in that like, category, Brian. Like, I get that Thompson has the players that he has. And they've been drilled a certain way, other Monk and Pulis, for formation or style of play. But I, I think back to the, even you know, going past the Exeter game, the Middlesbrough game, which was not pretty. It was disjointed at best, but there was an effort to play attractive attacking football that mostly failed, but succeeded enough where if you watched it, you're like, okay. This is a bad championship team that's probably not going to get relegated. And they haven't really played like that since. I, I, I really do think the pitch was a big factor today. I think sure. both squads suffered from it. You know, uh, even only, their first goal we're the, was a We're past scrappy. the halfway point now. It's, it's, this is where you got to get the results regardless. Oh, 100%. And, 100%. and, and I think I, I tweeted out today that the simple fact is that if we are losing to the Coventries of the world, and no offense, Coventry at all, but if we are losing the Coventry, they're all six, of the world, they're we're all going six down. pointers. They're all six pointers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This we're is the reality. Down. The table, we're like it's, we're past Christmas. The table is what it is. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not. It's not fun. 
the table is what it is. The fixture list is what it is. Until and it changes. It never changes. It does move on. And we have... Oh, yeah, this is on ESPN Plus, is it, Patty? Preston North End on Saturday is the ESPN Plus Championships of Sky Sports Championship Fixture of the Week for some reason. Oh, and the Preston preview. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's on ESPN Plus, um, I believe, at 10 a.m., uh, 3 p.m. kickoff. It's a regular Saturday afternoon kickoff, which seems a strange anomaly. Uh, Eric Owls have been getting a little annoyed with the 2 p.m. <laughs> midweek kickoffs lately. I, well, you know what annoys me the whole thing? I, I do fantasy Premier League mm. and it's impossible to keep track of the players I have because they all kick off at different fucking hours of the day during the week mainly as well. One thing I'm so, hoping that with this, I don't know if this will get settled by next fall that we just get back to the regular, like whatever. You can do your Friday night game. You can do your Monday night game. There's something more like like have like seven kickoffs Saturday at 10 a.m. That'd be nice. And just get back to like, and I get because of the fixture congestion, and they figured out, oh, we can just put a Premier League game on every week and just flog that for TV money. But I'm hoping that is not something that continues into the future. Justin, give us the Preston preview. <laughs> Will do, sir. Uh, Preston's currently sitting 11th in the table. They've got uh, 36 points, which sounds delightful. They've got a uh, minus two goal difference, so they're a little mediocre. And uh, frankly, if you look at their XG, uh, they're maybe a little bit worse than that. Whether that's worth. Uh, they've got a very fun, uh, fun uh, look on the uh, form table. They have one loss, loss, one loss, loss. Um, so Preston has remained pretty true to their 4-2-3-1 style. They like to keep possession. Uh, they attack down the flanks. They start in the uh, defensive midfield with either Alan Brown or uh, uh, Ryan Ledson, and then they work the ball out wide and then try to cut it in. Scott Sinclair has been their big attacking force. He's uh, got eight goals. Uh Tom uh, Barkhausen is uh, on the other side. Uh, those are the two uh, wings, if you will, of the uh, front three behind the top one. Um, you know, they're, they're going to lump the ball up to those guys. They're going to look to cross or cut in and make it happen. I think it's another situation where, for me, against this team, I play uh, four at the back and – I probably do have two holding midfielders like we did today. Hopefully that's the Wongo and Hutchinson, not anybody in Pelopesi, but, you know, that is what that is. Um, you know, but this is another team that, you know, I realize they're 11th in the table, but, I, I, you know, they're not, they're not that great. You know, it's a team we should be, they're not we in should good form. be capable of taking a point off of. Yeah, they're not in really good form either, really. So no, they're another patch they, table championship team that we should be able to win. Well, I, I don't know if you remember uh, when we had uh, the first time we played them. We had, and I feel awful. I can't remember the cat's name. Who was the guy who came on from them? Their fan. You guys do. Uh, was it called Matt? Thinking, Matt. I don't know. All I can think of is Fulham Sam, which I feel very <laughs> bad because. I thought uh, the guy who came on for Preston was really good, and he knew a lot. Uh, but what, one of the things that was interesting was they were awful at home at that point. Um, and they have since improved somewhat, um, but there's still four wins, two draws, seven losses at home. Um, so, you know, this is – yet again, this is a game that we should be capable of taking some points unless we want to be playing Doncaster next year. Well, the good news, Justin, is that since they are back at Hillsborough, we won't have to worry about a shitty pitch. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, oh. uh, we're definitely going to be uh, on the Hillsborough pitch, and it's definitely going to be shit. Then we it's move on. Another, uh... so I got a two, another 2 p.m. kickoff next Tuesday against 
Baronmouth patty. <laughs> I've never heard that pronunciation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Connecticut pronunciation, I think, that Baronmouth. one. Baronmouth. AFC. Or AFC Baronmouth, if you prefer. It's the accent you get when you drink a bottle of wine before you start recording podcasts. Mm. <laughs> Justin, what can you tell us about Baronmouth? <laughs> uh, first of all, it's pronounced Baronmouth, yeah. but uh, whatever that's worth. Uh, so they're down in sixth, even though I, I think they're one of the, from what I've seen, even though we beat them earlier this year, they're one of the one of the best teams this division. They got a plus 17 goal difference. I mean, that should be enough to let you know. They're in, they're in pretty rough form. Uh, lost three of the last six, or you could say also only won one of the last six. Uh, they'll alternate between a 3-4-3 three, three and a 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, but their basic style stays the same. They want possession. They want short passing. They want to attack down the wings, look for some through balls. You know, I mean, not, nothing very different from what we saw five years ago in the Premier League where they were getting praised for uh, going toe-to-toe with Man City and only losing by four goals. Um, all joking aside, they, they, they play they play nice football. I think they're pretty good. Uh Dom Solanke is their guy to keep an eye on in the middle. He's got 10 goals, four assists. Uh, David Brooks, ex-pig, um, is uh, one of their wingers. And uh, Junior Stanislaus is their other winger between the two of them. It's another 10 goals and eight assists. So th- they're really going to look to get the ball between one of their two defensive midfielders, whether it's Lewis Cook or uh, Jefferson Larman and work the ball out to the wings and then uh, get in the middle and on net. You know, they're not afraid to attack you with dribbles. They're not afraid to take shots. Uh, Burnmouth is a better team than us. And, they're not scoring a lot know. of goals recently, either, though. They're, a bit, they're a bit on a bit of a par run at the moment. So uh, since the uh, 15th... One win in six. Yeah. yeah. 15th of December, they won Wickham 1-0. They had a 0-0 against Luton. Lost to Brentford. Snuck a 1-0 against Stoke. Drew us Millwall. Lost to Luton at home. And then lost to Derby uh, 1-0. And then, uh, yeah, so they've got, they've got um, Reading on Friday night. Then the players on Tuesday. It's, it's not a good run to be in. And again, we beat them earlier in the season when we weren't very good. We're not very good now. All these teams in the Championship, Maybe outside of two or three are beatable on the day. Uh, and all it takes is a semi-competent team to do that. So we've got to get from being dreadful to semi-competent to avoid being relegated this year. Can we do it? I just want to point out that we have eight games in February. Fuck it. There's only 28 days in yeah, February. It's the shortest month of the year. <laughs> Uh, Patty, do we have any other business? Yes, Jeff, we do. And actually, this is positive news. I'm going to go up for this. I'm rather than lay back in my chair. Um, there we go. Um, so people might have seen on the website this week that uh, Wednesday announced a new uh, initiative, uh, a revised approach to supporter engagement. So we've tried numerous different variants of this throughout the years. Uh, we ourselves have never been uh, involved as uh, Owls America's supporters group. This is the podcast. The supporters group is part of the uh, part of the uh, whole initiative we do. Um, they invited several supporter groups as well as age groups as well to uh, come forward as and be part of this new supporters kind of engagement forum. So um, a few people on the list are London Owls, uh, Owls Americas, obviously these Dis- disabled associations, Sheffield Owls, Sheffield Owls, the supporters trust. Southwest South Wales, uh, Wednesday Eye, Wednesday Ladies, West Midland Owls, the Wise Old Owls, and they put a kind of call to action out for people to uh, get in touch if you want to be represented. And they're looking for representation across like uh, all age groups, essentially, as well, too. So I was very honored uh, to represent Owls Americas um, uh, on the first uh, call uh, this weekend. Um, it was uh, a lot of kind of talk about logistics. I can't talk about the what actually happened because that's not been published yet. But what I can tell you is that um, there's an effort here from the club to engage with us, right? So um, what we're going to be doing over the course of the next weeks, months, whatever, uh, is to 
first of all, ask you guys, uh, our, our fans in America, um, what kind of questions you want answered by the chairman and the, and the club itself. Uh, we have an idea as now as America's uh, supporters group. Uh, we've met with uh, James and Paul and Evan, who are part of the, the board on OA, uh, who help all of our Alz America stuff. Uh, we'll engage with our support group uh, members, uh, team like Mike Laroon in, Port in Portland, Jamie in New Orleans, uh, Lewis in Florida. All those guys, uh, we're going to ask them to uh, send us the questions. We'll put together these agenda points, which are going to be discussed um, uh, every few weeks uh, with uh, the chairman and uh, at the club. Uh, so it's, it's an opportunity to get involved, and it's nice to have a seat at the table. Um, I'll be honest with that. It's really good to be a part of this um, kind of community. Um, we will try to represent our fans in Americas. Um, so if you're not part of our newsletter and not part of our uh, Facebook group, I urge you to sign up to both. We're going to post a, a question out on our Owls of America's Facebook group tonight uh, for an opportunity for you guys to feedback agenda points that you want uh, questions to be answered and things like that. Uh, and we'll continue to update you uh, as we get uh, answers. And the club's going to put out minutes on their, um, their, their website uh, and we'll share those too. I will tell you that from Owls of America's point of view, what we spoke about today uh, uh, with uh, James and the, the kind of group heads that we have in Owls of America's, our goals are around kind of like supporter engagement. So uh, how can we raise the profile of Sheffield Wednesday in America? This is kind of in the goal of Owls of America's uh, since we started this. Uh, how can we br bring those stories from our American supporters into the kind of mainstream Sheffield Wednesday group? Uh, how can the club help us do that? Um, we want to have something around an overseas membership, uh, which will allow us to have uh, some kind of like perks and stuff. This is the kind of agenda points and questions we're going to put, put to the club. Uh, we want to have uh, kind of a special treatment for overseas fans. Uh, um, lastly, one of the things we really want to push with the club is the how they build stronger bridges to the community, both in Sheffield and outside of Sheffield. Uh, what's the strategy around that? How do they work with charities? How can charities work with them? Uh, uh, how can we kind of like um, help uh, people who uh, are in need around Sheffield uh, and elsewhere who are Wednesday fans? This is the kind of platform we want to build on. This is the agenda points we want to use. Uh, get in touch at owlsamericas at gmail.com or on Twitter at owlsamericas or on Facebook at owlsamericas and go to our, for our Facebook forum. And uh, let us know, and uh, we can certainly represent you as best we can. You've been listening to episode 124 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com and email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can also find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls of America, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter, at New England Owl. Justin, it's been a while since Wednesday have scored a goal. So if they were to score a goal this weekend, what might it look like? I'm gonna say ugly. Yeah, I, I, ugly. Yeah, thanks, Patty. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, it's been a while since Wednesday have scored a goal. <laughs> <laughs> if they're to score one this weekend, what might it look like? Lucky. Pretty. Hmm. I like. I like uh, Justin's a really good answer saying ugly, but I think we'll go lucky. Hmm. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Panamastro. <laughs> Jeff, if uh, Wednesday were to score a goal this weekend, mm. what would it look like? Yeah, I'm going to go with a Bannon corner kick gets blown directly into the net and 40 mile an hour wins at Hillsborough. <laughs> that almost uh, happened against us against Gumby today. <laughs> Westwood all palmed it out. That was uh, nice. We'll cover all the Wednesday goals, ugly, lucky, or win-aided next week. <laughs> or none at all. <laughs>